uh, Paul said the rapture would happen in the blink of an eye. If it happened right now, midstream, what would you do, sir? Never finish, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Achieving Christian Thought podcast. I'm your host, Brian. Hey, thanks for listening in. This is Robert. Hey, and I'm Zach. Join us for each episode as we apply the gospel to dive into the inner workings of the Christian faith. Are you agnostic or atheist and want to understand Christianity better? Want to learn more about Jesus? Discuss the differences between the modern and early churches? or maybe explore some of the Bible's most interesting characters, then we hope you'll join us in Achieving Christian Thought. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Achieving Christian Thought podcast. Um, If you haven't listened to us before, thank you for joining or listening to us uh, this evening. Um, as always, I'm here with Zach and Robert. Hello. Um, and uh, if you uh, haven't visited us online, uh, definitely check out our Facebook page, um, the Achieving Christian Thought Podcast on Facebook. Also, you can visit our website, theactpod.com. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, tonight, guys, we're shifting topics a little bit. Going to dive into some biography, maybe do pull a character from the Bible. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, we're going to focus on Pilate. Yes. Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate. Uh, very, very interesting figure. Yes, yes. That guy has created a lot of questions. A lot of people wonder, like, was this guy legit? Was he not legit? You know, was he... Uh, there's instances of where, you know, like in the scriptures where you see him trying to like remove himself, trying to release Jesus and trying to basically thwart the idea, I mean, the, the, uh, the, uh, Jewish officials from having him crucified. And so that raises the question. And then also he had his, his wife who had a dream who was like, have nothing to do with this, this Jesus of Nazareth. So it's like there's just a whole bunch of deep, where is this guy coming from? Because that goes completely against his nature. Like, right. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll let, I, I can let Robert talk a little bit about that if you want to get us rolling. All right, yeah. Uh, I mean, just rolling about Pilate. Um, that is actually a very common objection to the Gospels. Uh, for those out there, if you've looked into this, at all a lot of scholars who aren't committed to the faith personally will completely derail the gospel accounts of uh, Jesus crucifixion some of them completely on this one point is because you look at Pilate and the way he's presented in the gospels standing before Christ they'll claim that his personality is completely opposed to the personality that they know him to have from uh, non-biblical history and they they have this idea of, well, Pontius Pilate, and now all of this is true, but historically Pontius Pilate was a ruthless man. He was put in as just another puppet in Rome. They couldn't reach as far as they wanted to personally, of course. So they, what they would do is they would put puppet kings in place 
in certain areas of the world, and they would report directly to Rome in that area so that Rome's thumb was always on the land. And Pontius Pilate becomes the puppet king of this area, and he just so happens to be the governor in charge at the time when Jesus of Nazareth becomes crucified. And, of course, that's the story, the, the one afternoon of his career that gets told and retold and re-retold for 2,000 years. Something that, not I mean, his, his personality aside, one thing I find very fascinating personally is just the fact that this man had a whole career, and ironically, he should have disappeared to everyone except professional historians, people who read and study history full-time, they should be the only ones who know Pontius Pilate's name. He was just one more governor in an ocean of them at a time way before record-keeping was very well done, and yet his name is so well-known specifically for that one afternoon. This is the man who gave up Jesus to, to death, and so his name is famous for that one thing out of his entire career. And I've uh, as a church pastor, I've preached whole sermons on this idea of, you know, his whole career went down the toilet in favor of this one very, very selfish mistake that he made. Now, it's not as simple as just saying he made a selfish decision and that's that. The situation Pontius Pilate found himself in was very complex because he had people above him uh, breathing down in his neck, threatening him. He had the group of Jewish people which and I can't help but chuckle every time I talk about it, because when you look at how the Jews reacted to Rome and the extremes they were willing to go to, they never encountered another, at this time at least, they never encountered a people group that gave them as much trouble as the Jews did in the Middle East. Uh, Rome reached out, they would conquer different nations, their empire wrapped all around the Mediterranean Sea at this point, and what would happen is Rome would conquer. They would bow the knee to Rome, whoever they were, and they would add the the emperor to their list of deities. And so the whole thing was very pluralistic. It, we would add, we'll add the emperor, and the emperor would simply add those deities to the great deities of all Rome, and everything will just continue to be as they are. Roman soldiers will stalk the streets. You will pay plenty of taxes to Rome. You will be considered subjects to Rome, but life will continue as it was with that Roman presence. The Jews, however, were having none of that. There's a story of Pontius Pilate. When he first came in, another riot started to break out because every time Rome tried to have a pagan influence or um, a Hellenistic influence over the temple, the people who tried to conserve the purity of their temple in Jerusalem would absolutely go ballistic, and there were literal riots constantly. One breaks out just as soon as Pilate takes office, and his solution is the same solution he's always had in other parts. He always thinks, well, we'll threaten them with death. No one's going to die to preserve this block of stone. They will go home. They'll settle down. We'll put this statue of Zeus or the emperor or whoever in this temple, and everything will just go as it always has in every other nation that Rome's conquered. And the Jews absolutely spook him to death because he doesn't know how to control this many suicidal people because the, the account, and the account I'm referring to is uh, Josephus, a uh, historian you can go to the bookstore and buy today. But they all laid down on the ground and they spread out their necks, and they're 
mannerism was clear to Pilate. They were volunteering to die. He said if they were all basically saying, if you're going to kill us, then go ahead, go through every last one of us, just slaughter us all like chickens. And when there is no city left, then we will do it. And Pilate couldn't let that happen because then there's no city to govern. And they would get back to Caesar that this man literally lost his entire population within a week. And that's a terrible track record to have as a politician of any sort. (laughs) They all died. All of them. All of them. Every last one of them, literally. I can't emphasize that enough. And so Pontius just kind of awkwardly retreats his army and goes home because the fear of death was his right to rule. And without that fear of death, if every last man, woman, and child is ready to die, what are you going to do? And the whole thing kind of breezed over. It's one reason they were able to keep the purity of their temple when Jesus came along. And so Pilate has this situation on his hands where these people are constantly getting into riots, getting into fits in the streets, and there's only so much he can do. Now, he doesn't hesitate to crucify or scourge whoever he needs to. There's another account. Around the time Jesus was a little boy, he would have... uh, uh, the 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 people w- uh, who were in charge at Rome would have crucified. I, I believe the, the the number was two or three thousand people, probably more if I'm mistaken. But they were l- completely littering the landscape as a th- as some kind of soft warning. If you ever try to go up against Rome again, this is what's going to happen to every last one of you. And Pilate fell right into that tradition. Uh, if there are any more stories that Zach knows about Pilate, uh, it would be great. But we have this ruthless image of a man from, quote-unquote, secular history, but then we get to the gospel accounts. But before we get that far, Zach, do you have anything else? Um, well, this was, um, it's the post-crucifixion. Um, There's a little bit of that, so I'd let you keep going with that. And then I'll talk about that little bit. Beautiful. So, uh, so now we get to the pilot in the Gospels, and I, of course, would vouch that this is the exact same pilot. This is the same man. And so, scholars read the Gospels, and they just assume that this must be a fictionalized, mythological version of Pilate, because this version is not nearly as ruthless. He's not as ready to draw blood. They claim that the, the pilot you seem to get a picture of from works like Josephus and the pilot that you get from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this is, the, this is not the same guy in their minds because they get this image of a guy who would just, if they want Jesus to be crucified, I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to try to save him. I'm not going to bend over backwards to try to get him out of this. I'll keep the peace. I'm going to ring him up. He's just one more peasant out of a million and life will go on. But in the Gospels, we've got this image of Pilate really sweating it out. I mean, he's quite literally, if it was night, he would literally lose sleep over this. Uh, That's the common expression. He's trying his best to get Jesus out of this. He knows that he's innocent, and so he's doing everything in his power to try to rescue the man Jesus. He has the man flogged, and he's hoping that this flogging could be so severe that the people might see how bad of a shape he's in at the end of it and finally uh, call off the crucifixion. Then, when that doesn't work, he actually uh, tries to issue a, uh, a Passover custom, which was a Jewish holiday, and a custom at the Passover was to free one prisoner 
uh, in order to celebrate the freedom that God had given them spiritually. And so Pilate tries to pull that card. He brings out the worst of the worst, a man named Barabbas, whose name goes down in infamy, infamy in this episode also. And he gives the people two options. Do you want this Jesus, whose only crime is preaching that he's the Son of God, or do you want this Barabbas? And the Greek in the text calls him an upriser. He was violent. He was wicked. He probably killed several people. And so this would have been the absolute worst of the worst. Um, all the all the villains of history that you can think of, the Hitlers, the Napoleons, this man would have been absolutely hated at the time. And yet the crowd were amazingly crying out for Barabbas to be freed instead of Jesus. And I believe this was just because the religious leaders of the time were going around the crowd trying to push people to make that decision. If they didn't cow to peer pressure, they would have been expelled from the Jewish community in a way that would have completely imploded their lives. Uh, the Gospels mention that several people were actually excluded from the temple during Jesus' earthly ministry for uh, vouching for his ability to perform miracles. Uh, Jesus healed a man born blind, and when his parents couldn't vouch that this man was faking, they knew that he'd been born blind. They knew they'd raised a blind child, and now he could see, and they couldn't explain it. They kicked them out of the temple because of their inability to corroborate what the Pharisees were trying to say about Jesus. They just knew that this man could do something. And the Pharisees weren't having it, and that ruined their lives. And so based on the pressure from the religious leaders, nobody in the Jewish community wanted this to happen. So they're actually crying out for Barabbas to be set free in favor of Christ. And so Pilate is stuck with this man that he does not want to kill at any cost. And so he's faced with this unbearable pressure uh, he's already gone through what we've mentioned before, the, the crowds uh, volunteering in mass to be uh, slaughtered, a mass suicide. He has Caesar breathing down his neck. And then the final straw is when, the and this is recorded in the Gospels, the religious leaders throw out a title that he had. He said, if you don't crucify this man, you're no friend of Caesar's. And so basically they're, they were trying to blackmail him into saying, well, Caesar's already afraid you can't control this region. If you don't crucify him, he is a threat to Rome. He's claiming to be a king instead of Caesar. If you can't crucify him the way that we know that you're supposed to, then it's quite clear that Caesar should probably do away with you. And that was the, the final thing that put a chill up his spine. And in that final moment, he chose himself over Christ. Just as anybody, any human person uh, could easily cave in a moment of, of panic, he, he actually got a basin of water and ritualistically dipped his hands in it. He said, I wash my hands of this man's blood. You do what you want with him. And so basically he was trying to uh, get his cake and eat it too. He's basically saying, if you want to kill him, kill him. I'm not going to risk any of this stuff you're threatening me with. I am not going to have another riot. Caesar will have my head. Um, apparently he's gonna. you're going to try to get him to take my head anyway if I don't do this. So if you want it, do it. But let it be known to the gods is basically what he's saying, is that I myself did not want this. I do not want the guilt of this. And this is what stumps a lot of people historically about Pilate. Like, why would he care? Yeah. Yeah, it's one thing for Pilate to recognize he's innocent, but this in his, in his vocabulary, this was a Jewish rat. Yeah. 
This is just one scum among many who just could not shut up about this Yahweh, who could not stop instigating these riots, who just could not stop preaching about this Messianic hope of breaking away from Rome itself, which he represented. So why would he care so much that the man was innocent? And one thing I think that people who come to that conclusion that this is a fictional pilot, this is obviously a fictional account, those people that draw that conclusion, they either ignore or they, they discount that simple statement in Matthew that, in my mind, explains all of this. I mean, what does this ruthless pilot have to do with wanting to free Jesus? It says that his own wife came to him and begged him not to push Jesus into the crucifixion block. So basically what they believed as pagans were that they did not believe in the one God of Israel, obviously, but they believed in many gods. But they believed these gods had the ability to speak through dreams. They believed that they had the power to grant oracles. Um, there was a city in Greece called Delphi where an oracle was known to supposedly receive messages from Zeus and from anyone else from Mount Olympus. And so you would receive these Delphic oracles. These were basically the pagan prophets of the Greeks. And that tradition kind of spread into the Romans and expanded a bit. And they actually believed that these gods had the ability to spread messages, warnings, um, just uh, any, any kind of message through, the, through either omens Let's say you look out your window and see a black sparrow. What could a black sparrow represent? Or if you went to bed at night and had a dream, then they believe that this was a dream message from the gods. And his wife comes to him and says that the gods have given me a dream about him. Apparently, she had this horrible nightmare about him, this Jesus of Nazareth. And we don't know the details. We don't know what she saw exactly, but she did sum it up in saying that this is some kind of holy man. They probably would have understood it as someone touched by the gods. This is a, a Heracles. This is um, an Apollo. And she basically said, you know, this whoever this is, you do not want to touch him. You will be very guilty if you let him slip away into their hands. And so he is crushed between his own political agenda, saving his own neck, and possibly even saving his neck from the gods themselves. He believes that this omen is upon him. It, it's wrapped over this entire situation like a cloud that's an omen of rain. And so he sees this whole thing coming. He doesn't know what to do about it. And in that moment of panic, when the relig religious leaders finally pull that trump card, if you don't crucify him, you are no friend of Caesar. And he had to choose between pleasing Caesar or pleasing the gods in his mind that he worshipped. And in that moment, he chose to please Caesar because he saw him as the more immediate threat. And so we have this Caesar, uh, sorry, this Pilate who's looking at Caesar and deciding that he would ultimately rather save his own neck from the sword than save his own neck from an omen. And so Pilate uh, desperately tried to rescue Jesus, despite everything that would tell us that Pilate had no business caring about Jesus at all. And yet the the God of the Bible granted this omen, this this dream to a pagan woman who would have interpreted, interpreted it as such. And this is the Pilate we see in the Gospels. He's come full circle. There's a lot going on in his psyche. And in that one moment of doubt and that moment of fear, that moment of just moral weakness, he makes the decision that cements his name forever as one of the great villains of all history because of the choice that he made. But uh, 
that goes that carries us through the story of the gospel zach so what what do we know from history or tradition about Pilate after he encounters christ so it it's actually interesting that um there's a lot of questions as far as what happens to Pilate afterwards um he basically kind of vanishes off the radar so to speak um there is a uh, the um, an account called uh, I believe it's the ecclesiastical works of Esabus. Um I believe he's a third century Christian that talks about Pilate's fate. Um, it's one historical work. Uh, there's actually there's there, like I said there's a lot of questions because you have um, a, a I believe this the Coptic. Christians who actually believe that um, uh, Pilate was exiled and because he was exiled he traveled to Africa and actually became a Christian. Him and his wife both became a Christian and were later martyred for their faith. Um, That is a little bit more of church history but it's not widely accepted that is one of the versions that's out there. Um, as I was going back also to the other the other historian I mentioned, Isabus, he talks about Pilate as being, um, uh, I guess, maybe around 36 uh, A.D., so about three years after Jesus' crucifixion. Uh, basically, something happens um, between the Samaritans and him. He basically abuses them, uh, kills some of them, and they outcry to the governors above him. And basically he goes to face tribunal. And on his way um, from Judea to Rome, the current emperor, I believe it's Tiberius, passes away. And so in this historical account, when Pilate gets to Rome... I believe it's Claudius. I might be mistaken in that emperor's name. But basically, Claudius, or whoever the emperor is at that time, recommends that he commit suicide. Um, and according to that that uh, historical record, is that's what Pilate did, is he killed himself. So you have, you have multiple different avenues. You have some people uh, who believe that he actually became a Christian. Uh, like maybe this guilt... Um, drove him to the point where he actually became a believer. But then you have uh, a third century historian who says that that's not what happened, that he actually uh, killed himself. But um, those are probably the two most common um, ideas out there of what happened. I think there is a third one that he basically went crazy. um, And that's why he disappeared off the, um, uh, historical landscape if you would others i think there's the fourth idea is that he actually just after everything that happened he just retired um and didn't pursue anything and he just basically died at some point in the first century so i mean there's a lot of questions there's a lot of because really there's not a lot of information out there and i guess that's kind of where where and, and where there is a lack of information, people have these hopes 
you know, because some people see Pilate kind of like how Robert was saying, like this guy who's really trying to not have Jesus crucified. It's like, is it is it actually something deeper? Is it actually something mean? Like, is he literally just, you know, trying his best to, you know, not have Jesus crucified? And if that's true, if that's the case, then did that then bore fruit later on down the road whenever there's the talk of the resurrection? Did that actually bore fruit or bear fruit and he actually become a believer? And I think that's why the the Coptic Church um, uh, believes that he did do that. Um, but then again, like Robert said, you also have the aspect of him being a villain, and and it's like, well, could it be that he just remained steadfast and either took his own life at the uh, command of Caesar, or did he just reti- Did he just quit and just in retirement and just go his own way? At the end of the day. There's just a lot of questions that we don't really have solid answers on as far as Pilate goes. Um, I mean, we we actually had a discussion, my, my, my wife did, in one of our, our – in the class that we have. And there's people, you know, who would like to believe that he's a believer, you know. I mean, I don't know if he was or not. I mean, it would be awesome if, like – he actually has a testimony of, you know, like, you know, uh, like say we go up in heaven and he's there one day and it's like, whoa, Pilate, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> you know, I, I repented. I, I saw I saw the the signs and I and I repented and, and that would be awesome to 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 have that. So what was it like facing Jesus and facing the crowd, you know, being able to have that conversation with somebody, a believer later on down the road but i mean again that's a a wonderful story but we don't know if that's actually what happened or not my suspicion is i think he actually committed suicide i think i think the the historical record where it says that he um uh went to rome after messing up one last time with the jews and the emperor that was current said well you're done. You have an option of taking your own life and having a small smidgen of honor or we execute you and he decided to take his own life. That's my opinion. I could be wrong and I hope I am wrong. I'd like to be I'd like to think that the guy actually did truly become a believer, but that's my idea. That's my thought behind it. Mhm. Yeah, that 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 makes a lot of sense and one aspect that I that kind of picks at me is uh, depending on how much longer Pilate may have lived after this. Now, if that tradition of him becoming a believer is true, then great. But um, running right in the middle lane, you know, just not knowing what happened to him for sure. I do wonder when the rumor reached him of Jesus's resurrection. His yeah. wife had a nightmare. He chose to have this man taken out and killed to save his own skin, and now the body is absolutely gone, and there's nowhere to explain how this happened. I, I can't help but wonder what probably went through his mind. He's probably panicking. He's probably depressed, and whether he took his own life, whether he became a believer, I mean, it, it, I, I really do wish we had a nice big chunk of information about him after the fact, because... Mm-hmm. Like Zach said, he kind of disappears from the sh- from the surefire record, but just 
knowing what they knew, just the way that that message spread all over the city and just completely impacted everyone, for better or for worse. Just what goes through your mind when you really do think that you passed up a child of the gods mm-hmm. and you probably, he probably, at first, he probably thought the gods picked him up and carried him off to Olympus or something. and mm-hmm. Just knowing that you have offended the deities that hard, it probably, if he committed suicide, I can't help but imagine that thought probably helped race him towards that end. Mm-hmm. That sense that, well, my life is, you know, I'm Oedipus Rex. My life is taking a dark turn because I made the wrong choice. Yeah. Uh, just thinking about, you know, what probably went through his mind for that first year mm. after this st- this thing happened and they just could not quench the, the fire of this message that happened and the body disappeared. They all knew it did. And the fact that they had guards, they had, they had a, a legitimate guard there guarding the tomb. And they're like, hey, yeah, we don't know what happened. We basically fell asleep like dead men or whatever for a period of time. And we were terrified and horrified even, you know. And it's like, what what does pilots do to that? What do they Because you don't hear anything that what happens to them. I mean, I mean, this pilot just will go, oh, my gosh, this was truly somebody spectacular and just kind of let them – even though they deserve to die, did he not execute them, or did you know? Like <laughs> you just wonder what happened with that. How oh, I know, I know because because uh, apparently the religious leaders paid them off to mm-hmm. say that they fell asleep. Yeah, and according to their own laws, they a sleeping soldier would have been executed immediately. Mm-hmm. And duration of duty. Yep. Yeah, and it it does make me wonder now. Do we know, would Pilate have attended the crucifixion? Because I, I do know that they say, or because they requested of Pilate, hey, can we remove the body? Mm-hmm. Because it was approaching mm-hmm. the Sabbath and all that. But I, I'm trying to remember back. I don't think it was like there, whether they went to his palace or whatever. So do we know if Pilate would have attended the crucifixion? I've, such a high-profile yeah. um, spectacle? Uh, yeah, I, I personally doubt it. He probably would have issued the order, washed his hands, and he probably would have stayed inside the shady building while the, the servants were out in the sun carrying out the act. When it says that they went and, re- and requested of Pilate, you know, they were just outside yeah. the city walls, so... It was probably through an envoy, some kind of messenger asked, and he probably just granted them basic permission. Yeah, and well, and then you also think um, the man who asked for this body was Joseph of Arimathea, who was part of the Sanhedrin. Oh, yeah. So, so he yeah. was kind of like the Supreme Court, you know, puppet, you know, so to speak. Like, he didn't really truly have full authority, but other than what Rome gave him, <laughs> but he was a big dog, so according to the Jewish people. So he had some sway, so it might be that he had an envoy that, like you're saying, but um, oh, I mean, yeah. we do know we do know that there were centurions present at the crucifixion, um, because he, one of them even goes to the point of uh, saying after after they know Jesus is dead, he's like he really is the Son of God, so it makes you wonder. 
just what was going through the head of those men also, you know, the Roman centurions and of and the other guards that this they knew that something big just happened, especially because this is the other thing is you know, when Jesus gave up the ghost, gave up his spirit, you know, and died, the whole sky went dark. You know, there was an earthquake. All these things happened. Now, you can treat it as literary devices of trying to emphasize the um, significance of it, but I think in reality, the text, the way it reads, it reads as though these were actually historical events um, where the sky actually darkened and there was an earthquake. So if you factor in the fact that Pontius Pilate didn't want to have him crucified. His wife said something, and then the sky goes dark after he's dead, and all this stuff happens. Yeah. I, in in my head, if I would have been the guy, I'd been like, "Oh my God, I repent." <laughs> what did I just do? What did I yeah. just do? Yeah. Oh my gosh, please forgive me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, in, in my head, that's that's kind of. I mean, but then again, I've repented and believed Jesus. There's plenty of people out there, probably plenty of religious uh, figures who were like, yeah, we have a good thing going. This Jesus is an inconvenience. Okay, let's pay off everybody and let's keep put put this under the rug and keep going with what we're doing. So, I mean, <laughs> it's it's crazy to think that such a thing would happen, but really we do the same thing to this day. I mean, you know, we even we look at the events of the um, of the gospel, and even though it happened thousands of years ago, we can either trust that these were historical events that actually happened and believe, or we can say, eh, I don't want to believe it. Whether it's true or not, it doesn't matter. I don't care. I just want to keep doing what I'm doing as I want to do it. And I think that was the response that some of the people in those days did. I mean, you had some people that heard about the resurrection and even listened to people who saw the risen Lord, you know, the eyewitnesses, you know, the disciples after after the resurrection happened, you know, and they believed. And then you had other people who, for one reason or another, were like, nope, I don't care. You're telling me this? You guys are are telling me that he raised from the dead. Nope, I don't care. I'm, I'm going to keep on going with what I want to do. And I think that's the, that's the, I think that captures humanity's response time and time again with the gospel. We might separate it by a lot of time, but that's still the same response. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it it's human nature and I of course from a Christian perspective, human nature is very sinful, so that's a very loaded term. But it's human nature to go after the thing that is more visible to you at the moment. The life you want to live in all of its sinful, rebellious glory, uh, it, it can be you know, right in front of their face. But then you have the resurrection, and it's so much easier for them to ignore, because, for any of us to ignore, because... You know, it's something that occurred in the past. It takes a little bit of work to try to piece together that picture. And I, that's one thing I think that really goes directly in line with this story of Pilate as well, because, again, he had the choice to offend a deity or offend his direct human ruler. 
and he chose the more direct, more visible threat and appeased that and regretted it later. And so this idea, you know, Pilate, he is so much more than just a name on a plaque. He's so much more than a painting in a fresco. He's just a human being who made choices that literally any of us could have made if not for the grace of God. And, you know, this idea... And Zach mentioned it like two seconds ago, so I can't pretend this is a, f- a fresh new thought. But, I mean, I agree completely. It blows me away, standing on the other side of the fence looking over. It blows me away that people can literally have those thoughts that, well, I don't care if it really happened or not. I'm going to ignore it mm-hmm. as if they can. I remember, uh, with without placing myself too much, I was when I was at my high school, I was a junior or a senior, and uh, we were talking about faith, and there's this young guy who didn't believe anything. And uh, his argument at by the end of this conversation was basically he was safe from hell because he himself did not believe in it. And so, yeah, and I, I could, and on, from his perspective, he's thinking, well, hell is this fictional place like Narnia, and I am not going to go there. Me. Think hearing his argument, you know, I know that it's real based on the testimony of Scripture, and so I'm thinking, well, here he is. He thinks that if he just refuses to believe it, he'll suddenly become free from its grasp. That's that's like me trying to get down the interstate, headed towards uh, somewhere in the deep south. If I run into a certain city in Central America that I really don't want to be in, but maybe if I cut it out of the map or delete it from my gps and pretend the city doesn't exist maybe i won't ever run into the city maybe i'll be safe from the city and we say stuff like that and it sounds absolutely ridiculous and this is what the way it sounds when we make the same arguments about judgment about hell these things are coming satan about satan yeah absolutely i don't believe in satan oh well you know what he still exists whether you believe in him or not it's irrelevant yeah and he's objective (laughs) reality you may not want to believe it but it's there it's going to happen oh yeah and denying it isn't just going to make it go away it's not a an imaginary friend (laughs) and so if, if this is really real if this is really, truly, really, objectively real, then there's nothing that you can think or do that's going to just delete the fact that it's right there behind you. And, you know, it's the, it's this human nature that's caught up in the here and now that, you know, Pilate thought in the, in the moment, Pilate thought that it was better to make his human ruler happy than it would be to satisfy whatever gave his wife a nightmare, an oracle about the man. And yet we do the same thing as we walk down the streets. We live our lives. We plan them out with absolutely no consideration of, you know, if there is a God or what his word says. And sometimes if we even believe that there is one, we know that he's there. We shut him out thinking that the shutting out is going to stop him up. Yeah, like the, like the what is it? Like a T Rex who stuffs his head in the sand. <laughs> yeah, <It's> like <laughs> if playing on that whole idea of T Rex and um. You know, Tyrannosaurus Rex and the uh, ostrich being similar. There's a rabbit trail. There's a oh, callback. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many of you have pets? I mean, I've seen large dogs that their logic is so f- 
flawed because of you know the level of their intellect but they think well if i can't see them they can't see me and they'll just stand with their head in a bowl <laughs> and think that you can't see them and so, and so just this idea that you know this this truck is coming at me in 80 miles per hour it's okay that i'm standing in the road as long as I don't make eye contact with the driver, as long as it's not awkward like that, this thing will be fine. And yeah, it, it as doesn't long as they work hit the like brakes. <laughs> as long as their brakes work and they stop before they get you, yeah, it's yeah. fine. Oh, yeah, and you know full well beyond the age of six that that's not going to end well. And yet we live our whole lives thinking this way spiritually, and it's much easier for us to do because it's not as an immediate visible threat as an impending truck or um you know this city in in mid-america that i used in my illustration but just because these things live in a plane beyond what we can currently see does not negate their reality mm -hmm. that's something pilot failed to grasp in the moment is something that we all fail to grasp moment by moment in many different ways it's the, just the the humanity of pilot and that he chose an idea he chose to do something that we ourselves would have chosen to do most likely uh, but for the grace of god and yet his name goes down as one of biblical history's great villains simply by making a choice that you and i make similarly in everyday life we are all the villains of the story mm -hmm. is the idea and now if you're familiar with the christian worldview you've heard this kind of thing before but you know that some churches use a, use it as a mantra almost no heroes but Jesus just the idea that every last one of us have fallen from grace every last one of us have so many things within our own sinful nature to account for every single day and only Jesus has been perfect and sinless only Jesus is the one who deserves to be taken off of the cross and he's the one who volunteered to go there in our place we lose track of that in an ocean of sermons and hymns and readings and lessons and Christian movies and Christian books and Christian radio, we forget the simple fact that it is in our place. And the implication of that is that we're the ones who deserve to be up there. And it keeps us from this sense of thankfulness, this sense of uh, awareness of self and of the gospel that would have saved Pilate from making this kind of decision had he thought differently in that moment. Mm. And so in, in a way, we're all Pilate. We're all standing there living our lives, getting to choose between honoring him or handing him over to the people to be crucified. And so as we love to dish on him, the same way we dish on Judas, the same way we dish on Satan himself, all these villains that get painted as worse and more crass than any of us, we have to remember that they are literally just a mirror reflecting who we ourselves are because every single one of them were just ordinary people, Pilate included, and they all made choices that except simply... Satan. Except for Satan. Except for Satan. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's a point of clarification. <laughs> Satan was not a human being. No. We're no. not Mormons who think that <laughs> Satan was at one time a man. No. Uh, I was referring to the humans... Yeah. Yes. Thank you for that. Thank you for that catch, Zach. But yeah, no, I was referring to the human figures. They are us. They are mirrors. And they were all seduced by Satan as exacerbated by their own sinful nature, just as we are. All right. Well, thank you, Zach. Thank you, Robert. Um, always uh, fun learning about going like a deep dive into some oh, yeah. biblical figures and, and yep. learning more about kind of their history.
um, kind of gives you a better understanding about kind of what was happening during that day, uh, that time. Yeah. But um, yeah, uh, everybody listening, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be with you back uh, on the next episode. Uh, we'll continue diving into the gospel. Um, and so one more time, if you want to interact with us, definitely visit us, our Facebook page, the Achieving Christian Thought Podcast, or our website, theactpod.com. And uh, with that, uh, we'll see everyone on the next episode. So thank you all. Thank you. Yeah.